0: This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 4130 for Friday the 31st of May 2024. Today's show is entitled, Playing Civilization Three, Part 3. It is part of the series Computer Strategy Games. It is hosted by Ahuqa and is about 20 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, we continue to look at the details of playing this game, Hello, this is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio, welcoming you to another exciting episode on my ongoing series about strategy gaming. Uh, And we're continuing with our look at Civilization 3, a very nice game. Uh, And what I want to look at now is the expansion phase. In our previous episode, we looked at the early game. Um, And we're... As you proceed, the idea is you're going to expand. Um, it's not until you get to Civ 5 that they really start putting in things that disincentive uh, too much expansion. Uh, but it, in Civ 3 and earlier, um, expansion is an important part of this. And that means settling more cities as quickly as possible. And you also want to explore. So, you build your first city and most people would say build two scouts as quickly as possible followed by a defensive unit now while this is going on your worker unit remember everyone starts with one worker unit Uh, you can build more but you start with one and that worker unit should be developing the tiles within the the bfc the big fat cross Uh, And you need to get your population up to three before you can produce a settler unit. But note that you don't need to hit a population of three before you can start building the settler unit. Your build pop-up will tell you how long it will take to build a settler unit, and your food box will tell you how long until your population grows. So if it will take you 12 turns to produce a settler, you can start as long as it will take 11 turns or less for your population to grow to size 3. again, this is micromanagement, but in the early game micromanagement pays off. Meanwhile, your two scout units are exploring the surrounding area. Now you're looking to accomplish three things from this. First, you want to find the lay of the land so you can pick good spots for your new cities because you're gonna be wanting to build settler units and settle new cities as quickly as you can. Second, you wanna find other civilizations around you so that you know where they are and who they are, both of which are important. You know, if one of your neighbors is the Mongols, you're gonna be forced into building military units faster than you might otherwise, as an example. And three, you wanna explore what we call the goody huts, and see what you can pick up from them. Um, Now, you can focus your scouts on this while building a warrior to defend your city. Uh, This should be safe because barbarians don't appear right away, and other civs are not likely to be sending around military units this early. Now, once this warrior is done, you press the F button for Fortify to have it stay in your city and defend it. By now, you should be checking to see if you're ready to start building your settler. If not, build another warrior, since you'll want to protect your second city as quickly as possible. Um, and also, because it's you take a risk if you send a settler unit out without any kind of military escort. It can be uh, captured by barbarians or by other players. Now, as soon as you have a settler unit, Look for the best location for another city, and it should be around three to four tiles away from your first city. Um, you don't want to go all the way across the map with that. You want to keep your cities close to each other, re- reasonably close, you know, so that they can help each other with defense. Um, now, so you're looking for a tile reasonably close, you want to look for things like fresh water, rivers, lakes high-yield tiles, extra resources, and so on. Uh, Now, don't worry if there's some overlap between the BFCs of these cities. Um, A completely filled BFC would mean a population of 21, and that happens rarely in any case. Um, I find it works better to keep the cities fairly close. So three tiles between the city centers is pretty optimal. Now, if you already have that second warrior, put it in that second city and fortify it. Um, If not, you can gamble that no one will attack and start with a worker unit. And if you've not yet seen any barbarians or met any other civs, it's probably a safe gamble. But even so, right after the worker unit, you'll want to make sure you have a warrior unit there for defense. Now, you'll want to develop this city the same way you developed your first city. Make sure your citizen is working a high food tile to start with so that you can grow your population. Use your worker unit to add irrigation and a road. And now, as this city grows, you'll want to produce another settler here as well. And you should probably start to think about having a warrior unit to accompany the settler from now on. As I said, sending uh, settlers out without a military escort is taking a, a big risk. Um, you know, you put a lot of resources into building a settler unit, many turns of, of production goes into them, and then having them captured by someone else is... Uh, it's it's not good. It's not good. Now, as you locate other civs, you need to consider that you'll be competing for good play spots, uh, good city spots. Now, if there's a good spot between you and the other guy, uh, you may want to be the one who gets there first and snaps it up. And if you've other land behind you, so to speak, with no other sieve in that direction, you can settle that last. Uh, now, This is something that we refer to as forward settling, and the best players will do this routinely. Your goal should be to get to about 10 cities as quickly as possible. Maybe you come up a little short, or maybe you get lucky and get a few more, but this is the objective. Um, now, I put a link in the show notes to uh, a site uh, that I think is an excellent guide to this phase of the game, Cracker's opening play site. Um, so check out the, the show notes and read up on that. Now, the next thing we need to look at is city improvements. We've been talking so far about units um, and the, the, the three units we've looked at are warriors, workers and settlers. Um, Obviously, as time goes on, there will be others, but that depends on, on how you've researched the technology. But the other thing you do in cities, aside from building units, is to add city improvements. Now, these are like buildings that you can build within a city that will give you certain benefits. Now, there's only two city improvements I would generally build early on in this game. And the first is the granary. Now, the granary helps you grow your population. And the way it works, if you do not have a granary, you need to fill the food box all the way before you get another citizen. And when you do, that empties the food box completely. With a granary, well, you'll still need to fill the food box to get your next citizen. But when you do, it doesn't empty the box all the way. It only empties it halfway. So, in other words, it only takes half as much added food to produce the next citizen. This is even more important when pumping out settlers. I wouldn't delay getting the first couple of settlers for this, but somewhere around having three to four cities, I might build a granary to improve my efficiency. Ultimately, I would probably build granaries in every city to help build up my population, but you know this kind of game is all about balancing competing demands Um, so you know if if you spend time building a granary in every city as soon as you settle it um, you might not build as many cities as you should so you know you have to balance all of these now the other city improvement that I'm gonna build early on is a barracks um you don't need to build one in every city unless you have nothing better to do. Uh, but I would build barracks in maybe two to three of, of my first cities. Um barracks allow you to build military units that start out with veteran status, making them stronger. Now with a few barracks in a few cities, you can turn out veteran units to defend your cities. And when you're ready to go on the offensive, you can build up a stronger set of units to attack with. Again, this is just early game. Uh, Other improvements will come along. You may be in a situation where city walls are needed to add to your defensive strength, for instance. And as you move forward in time, at some point you will start building libraries to promote your research. Uh, But at this early stage, what I would do is I would build the barracks and maybe designate a couple of cities as being the ones that have barracks and use those cities to build units that I can then send to any other cities I have um, to be defensive units. You know, specialization of cities is not a bad thing. Now the other thing you could be building at this point are wonders. Um, these are the the big uh, kahunas like the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world the pyramids the colossus of roads um, things like that and they, they will give your civilization or your city certain benefits um, they tend to take a lot of time to build um, my general feeling is I don't focus on wonders in the early game They can be very nice. Um, But in the early game, I feel like I'm going to do better in my game if I have more cities rather than more wonders. And you need to consider that if you conquer a city that has a wonder in it, you will get that wonder. So if I've done it right, by the mid-game, I should have the largest civ on the map and can then build wonders and possibly have conquered a few as well. Now, the last topic uh, that we get bef- building up our picture of this is the technologies. Um, technologies and research. Let's go together. Research is how you gain technologies. Now, one of the things I would point out, you, you can get technologies from research, but you can also get it through trade. All right. You can trade technologies with other players. And I'll tell you, uh, the other players, the, the other sieves that are being run by the AI, um, they're gonna be trading text with each other like crazy. Um, and so you should do the same. Um, one of the reasons your scouts are all over the map looking for other sieves is so that you can do technology trading. And you really need to, since if you don't, you will fall behind in technology. I would focus on trying to obtain as many techs as possible. Now, some techs you will get from the goody huts you explore. Some you may get from your own research activity. But you should try to get as many as possible from other civs. Now, some players fall into this trap of thinking, oh, this is a critically important tech. I I must hold on to it and make sure no other civ gets it. Uh, Well, you know, we're all looking at the same research tree. If I don't trade it, someone else will, and very possibly on the very next turn. So the other civ gets it anyway, but I don't get anything because I didn't get into a trade. Uh, Now, I'll also consider buying a tech from another civ if it is as affordable and I can't get it by trading. What I won't do is sell my techs for cash since my objective is to be the tech leader in the game. Now, I've put in a couple of videos from a, a guy named Suede Civ3, um, who is a, a huge Civ3 guru um, on YouTube. Um, and there's some links in the show notes that talk about the expansion phase and, and uh, all of the things that we've been looking at, technologies, wonders, city improvements, etc. Um, So, if you take a look at the show notes, um, that will get you links to stuff that will help you. Now, our very last topic in this episode are the different victory types that you can have. So, how does this work? Now, by the time you've gotten through the initial expansion phase and have your approximately 10 cities, you should have some idea of your possible path to victory. Now, Civ three introduced some new victory conditions compared to what Civ II had. And this is something that will continue to evolve through for future versions of civilization. The first thing is to evaluate your geography. Do you have easily defended borders? Terrain like mountains or swamps may slow down attackers. And the amount of coastline on your border is good for slowing down attackers as well. Mounting a seaborne invasion is tricky, and it is particularly hard to transport and land large stacks of units, since the transport capacity of early units is low. The first naval transport unit is the galley, and it can move two units. That's good if you want to settle on another landmass, since you can transport a settler and a military unit to defend the city, but two units won't go far in an attack. Uh, If you're surrounded by other players and have long land borders, it's going to be a little trickier. Now you need to look at your neighbors. Some are known to be more aggressive. Russia, Persia, and Babylon come to mind. And you can gauge them by the interactions you have. If they are moving troops around your borders, something is definitely up. And if they start making demands like money or tech from you, they are certainly planning on war. And if your neighbors are headed that way, you don't have a lot of choice. You need to start preparing for war yourself. Now, if everyone seems peaceful, you can instead try one of the other victory conditions, like science, diplomatic, or cultural. Now in Civ 3, the science victory is the same as it was in the first two Civilization games. Build a spaceship, descend to Alpha Centauri. Uh, The wrinkle in Civ 3 is that you win as soon as the spaceship is launched. You don't need to wait for it to actually arrive. Uh, Diplomatic is a new one, based on being elected leader of the United Nations. And for that, you need to be on friendly terms with the other civs. So if you've been a bully to the others and then try and get elected, well, that ain't going to work uh cultural is based on metrics of how much culture your city is generating and it is another new victory condition in civ 3. now these victory types are a bit harder to master so i would suggest for the new player that you either go for a military victory or a science victory now that said even if you're going for a science victory make sure your military strength is good if your military is weak, the other civs will cast hungry eyes in your direction. Now, for a science victory, I first make sure I have a good road network, uh, both to produce revenue and, even more even more importantly, to move units around. Um, one of the things that people may not be as aware of now as they were back in the day was that when Eisenhower was president and developed the interstate highway system in the United States, his primary reason was to help provide for the defense of the country. That He needed highways that could move troops around quickly. Um, so, you know, a good road network is, uh, is an important thing to have. Then I would try to have two good veteran defensive units in each city and upgrade them as the technology progresses. So, You know, early on, in the the very early stages, your best defensive unit would be a spearman, defense value of two. Um, Then, by the time you get up towards the medieval time, you get pikemen, uh, defense value of three. Um, By the Renaissance, you've got musketmen who have a defense value of four. then comes riflemen with a defense value of six, and finally, in modern period, infantry with a defense value of 10. Right. So, you don't want to be in the modern era with spearmen defending your cities, in other words. That's not a good idea. Um, now, there are two possible ways of doing this. You can be building new units all the time, or you can use money and spend money to upgrade the units. Um, and it's just a matter of which is going to work best for you. Uh, for border cities, I would add city walls. Now, city walls are really only useful for, for smaller cities, population of no more than six. So you should be selective about building them, since building ones you don't need simply wastes 20 shields of production. So. Uh, this has been a, a look at a continuing look at Civ3. Um, this is a hookah for Hacker Public Radio, signing off and encouraging you, as always, to support free software. Bye bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself you ever thought of recording a podcast and click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by an honesthost.com, the internet archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.